We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, make up just 3% of all the colleges and universities in the U.S., but they enroll 10% of all African-American students, and those students are more likely to graduate than students at majority white universities. Beyond those statistics compiled by the United Negro College Fund, HBCUs seem to have a unique hold on the hearts of their alumni. That's reflected in the joyous collection of essays about to be published by Aisha Rasko, who hosts NPR's Weekend Edition Sunday and who came to Baltimore on her birthday last summer to help WIPR and WTMD celebrate their 20th anniversaries. In HBCU Made, a celebration of the black college experience, 18 alumni, some famous, some not yet, reflect on why and how they chose an HBCU, what they experienced, and what it has meant to them. Aisha Rasko joins us by Zoom. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. That's what a wonderful intro. Thank you so much. Well, this is such a love letter to yes. historically black colleges. How did the idea come to you to put it together? Well, I wish I could take credit for it, but they they came, you know, Algonquin, the publisher, came to me and said, would you like to pull together a collection of essays by HBCU graduates about their experience because they had looked around and it really didn't exist. And I was kind of shocked by that. Like, it just seemed like something that should have already been, you know, published by a major publishing house. Um, And so when I heard that it didn't exist, and then I thought about how my experience at Howard was really um, life-altering and really set me on a path, I was like, Yes, I have a million things to do, but I got to do this as well. And so I couldn't say no. And I am so um, I'm so honored and humbled by being able to pull this together. And how did you choose who to include? So I really thought about like we really wanted to have a, a collection of, you know, well-known people but also people on the rise and we also we it was really important to us to have a a diverse group you know even within the HBCU because the HBCU experience is so diverse and I think a lot of people don't realize that um because there are really big schools or you know big well-known schools like Howard and the Morehouses and Spelman's but then you have smaller schools and so we wanted to make sure that we got those represented like you know Dillard and 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 Talladega and like these these smaller schools that maybe everyone hasn't heard of but they also have an experience um and so I wanted to make sure that we got a, a range of men and women um you know I also wanted to make sure the LGBTQ um experience was represented um so I wanted a, a wide range and different generations as well so we have someone um uh we have someone who is just starting out literally like graduated just like a year or two ago um and then we have people who are a little bit more uh distinguished a a little more seasoned the first essay the introduction is your story you were as you tell it focused on going 
to college away, out of state, somewhere yeah. not Durham, North Carolina, where you grew yeah. up, and not so intent on going to an HBCU. How did you end up choosing Howard University? Well, I, so I wasn't like, okay, I have to go to an HBCU, even though my mother had went to an HBCU and like aunts and uncles and, you know, it was definitely in my family. Um, I just knew my main focus was I wanted to get out. I wanted to go somewhere where I felt like I would be able to expand my horizons and also a place where I would feel like at home and feel like I had, and also feel like it was really cool. And so <laughs> Howard University had a journalism program. I knew I wanted to be a journalist. It was in DC, so it was away, and it was in what I felt like was the big city. And then when I went to visit and I saw the campus and I saw, you know, it was on the yard, which is, you know, the big kind of courtyard of the school main gathering area. It was kind of a rainy day, but I saw all these young black students just, you know, walking around. I saw Deltas, um, who, you know, in their sorority, like strolling around their special tree. And I just felt like, this is where I want to be. Like, I want to be one of these students. I, you know, I saw not who I was, but who I could be. And that's what made me want to go to Howard. Would you read what you wrote about your middle school years? Yes, absolutely. Let me, let me go. Okay. But from sixth grade to 10th grade, we lived in my mom's small hometown of Oxford, North Carolina, a place where the wounds of Jim Crow still linger just below the surface. At that time, in 2000, the high school still had a segregated homecoming court. There had never been a black valedictorian, even though the school was about 50% black. In my freshman year, I was at the top of my class and black administrators and parents would stop me in the hall and tell me how proud they were of me. It was clear that it meant a lot to them to see a black girl thriving academically in Oxford. Sophomore year, a white girl surpassed my GPA and then we moved. So I will never know if I could have snatched the number one spot back. I was ultimately salutatorian at the high school I graduated from. That experience let me know what it was like to be a black person trying to overcome barriers erected long before you were born. I love that my community was rooting for me. I was encouraged, but I also didn't want to let anyone down. It's a heavy load for a teenager. At Howard, I didn't have to worry about trying to break into spaces that Black people had been shut out of. That was a relief. It allowed me to focus on what those unburdened by racism generally focus on in college, figuring out who the heck I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's NPR Weekend Edition Sunday host Aisha Rasco here on the record on WYPR. I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about the collection of essays she edited, HBCU Made, a celebration of the black college experience. When I read that passage, Aisha, I realized why you have at the front of the book this quotation from the late novelist Toni Morrison, Howard University, class of 1953, quote, the function, the very serious function of racism is distraction, close quote. Yeah. I'd never thought about that. Yeah, and, and what she was saying was, and obviously I can't say it as, you know, incredibly as, as, as she would, but what Toni Morrison was saying is that you, 
often find yourself trying to prove, you know, people will say you have no culture, then you're, you spend all this time trying to prove you have culture or say you're not intelligent, then you got to prove that you're intelligent. And what it does is distract you from just being able to live and thrive without trying to um, prove or disprove or live up to or, or fight against um, what is really, you know, the white gaze or stereotypes. And it just allows you to lean into your humanity. And that's what racism strips from you is your humanity and um, just the ability to just be without all of this weight of the world on your shoulders and, and what it means to be a black person in these spaces. And and I saw throughout the book from multiple people, you see these stories of people who went to an HBCU, but then they talk about in being in like a predominantly white college, maybe for graduate school and being accused of plagiarism or being accused of not being smart enough or being, a, you know, all these things um, that they didn't have to deal with um, because people in these other spaces just felt like they didn't belong or they must have somehow got in, you know, through some loophole that it couldn't be based upon merit, that it couldn't be based upon their value. Let me ask you about the essay by April Ryan, the veteran White House reporter, a Baltimorean, calls herself an HBCU baby. Her yes. mother, Vivian Ryan, worked at Morgan State for 42 years. April writes that she always knew she would attend an HBCU. What stands out to you in her story? Well, what I love about um, April's story is that she really dives into her experience growing up on Morgan's campus. Um, her mother worked there for a long time and also got degrees from there and how it really was like a place where of like her childhood um, where she was able to see, um, you know, just all of these black people thriving, educated, doing well. And then she was able to see herself and get opportunities. What I also love about her essay is that she really goes into the history of HBCUs and how they were founded. Um, you know, some, you know, during a uh, slightly before the Civil War, a lot afterwards by the Freedmen's Bureau to educate black people, to give them literacy, to give them opportunities that they obviously could not have in a very segregated society. Um, and she talks about how much having an education meant to her and meant to her family when she is a descendant of slaves and she can trace back her lineage um, to, you know, ancestors who were enslaved um, and were not literate. Um, and we're not able to get the education um, and we're not able to um, do everything that they could do and, and, and really expand themselves because of the limitations that were put on them. And so how she was able to really like live out the dreams of her ancestors um, by going to Morgan State. And so it's a it's a beautiful essay. And, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful to April for being a part of the uh, of this book. Stacey Abrams, the Georgia politician and advocate against voter suppression, writes about attending an HBCU focused not just on black students, but black women, Spelman College in Atlanta. Abrams quotes a friend who called Spellman a respite from a world that never could truly see her. 
Yes. And I mean, you know, I didn't know a lot about Stacey Abrams' story at Spellman and how she was so active even at Spellman, you know, she's like protesting at the bo- trustee board meetings and she's doing all of like the advocacy work of Stacey Abrams um, had already well begun when she got to college. And Spellman is it's a black woman's gut. So it's only for women. And she, you know, that sisterhood that they get there. Because, you know, being a black woman um, and trying to excel, and obviously Stacey Abrams has dealt with this, um, it is a very, you're dealing with not just racism, but sexism. And, you know, the very specific burdens that can be placed on black women. Uh, But yeah, I love hearing her story of learning about activism, learning about how to serve her community and how so much of that was formed at Spelman. And I I had no idea. And your book holds wonderful stories from Oprah Winfrey about how she almost passed up her first TV offer and also wound up one credit short for graduation from Tennessee State University. Catch us up on what Professor Cox told Oprah Winfrey as a student. Yeah, yeah. So Oprah Winfrey, she was just she was just getting started, and she got offered this TV job, and she was like, you know, my her father. She was like, her father was not going to let. She didn't think her father would let her do it because she would have to be out kind of late at night and stuff, and her, you know, her father didn't want her kind of in the TV Hollywood industry was worried about her and a professor who was a, a pretty uh, she said was kind of like a tough professor <laughs> on her but a, her professor heard about it and was like look this is why you go to school you go to school for these opportunities are you know basically like are you foolish and she talked and the professor is a he, the professor, Professor Cox, he he talked to uh, Oprah's father and convinced him to let her do uh, to take the job. Um, and the rest is history, right? Um, but I think what I love, well, first of all, I'm so grateful to Oprah Winfrey for gracing the pages of this book. But I think that what I really want this book to do is be a testament to how HBCUs have helped to change the world and continue to do so. And so imagine that you have an Oprah Winfrey um, who got her start at an HBCU and the changes that she's been able to bring to the world. Um, but first was, you know, in that incubator space of the HBCU. Um, and I think, you know, Oprah and so many others are, are, are such prime examples of, um, you know, HBCU students leaving the world much better than they found it. Oprah ended up getting her degree because she was she did <laughs> she was short a credit. She was short a credit, and she had I think she used some of her like Oprah show like work and other stuff to actually you know and they like used it and they allowed it <laughs> to be her last her last credit. So she did get her degree um, ultimately. Uh, so yeah, so she didn't let it go. She she got her degree. Congratulations on this book, Aisha. Oh, thank you so much. Aisha Rasko, host of NPR's Weekend Edition Sunday, edited and organized HBCU Made, a celebration of the black college experience. 
Her talk a week from today on Wednesday, January 31st at 7 p.m. at the Enoch Pratt Free Library Central Branch in partnership with Morgan State University is sold out. But you can attend virtually, add your name to the wait list, or pre-order the book. We have more information at the On the Record page at wypr.org. I'm Sheila Cast. Quick break on the record, then what are Coppin State University's plans to grow the pool of special educators in Maryland? Stay with us.